that she was working over would go. And up would come somebody's apple core from down the street. And that radio would be playing. Bing Crosby singing. Blue Hawaii. Sweet Leilani.
time for a little lunch. <laughs> oh, boy. Just take a look at that tree ripened. That's a, that's a sun-ripened pineapple. This baby was in a field about uh, 20 minutes ago, and it's still warm from the sun. Look at that juice coming out. Look at that. Woo-hoo! Oh, If you've never had a field-ripened pineapple, you have never tasted pineapple. This is fantastic. This, this, by the way, is a Japanese pineapple knife, which is probably the most uh, popular utensil on the entire island of Maui, with the possible exception of a swizzle stick. <laughs> and incidentally, they're generally used together. I mean, you know, the swizzle stick... They use pineapples in everything here. You either you eat them, you throw them, you put them in your drinks, you live with them. Some natives even marry them. This is a beautiful one. Ah, it's time for lunch. I'm going to cut off a chunk of this now. See, here's the way you do it now. Then you just cut this off like this, see? Watch this. Move it around like that, see? This is a trick that we uh, we islanders learn early in our lives, you know. <laughs> it's like like opening a can of beer back on the mainland. There, there's a slice of magnificent pineapple. <sighs> How do you like this beach? This is one of the five great beaches of the world. You know, if, if you're a beach cuckoo, you've probably heard about this beach. This is the beach at Honolulu, which uh, is considered one of the greatest beaches, certainly in the Hawaiian Islands, and quite possibly the entire world. What a fantastic beach. There's hardly a soul here. And it's on the island of Maui. It's about, uh, oh, maybe... 10, 15 minutes outside of the town of Lahaya. Lahaya town. Lahaina town, rather. Lahaina, right on the coast. You know, when I'm sitting here at this beach, my old man would flip if he saw me sitting on the beach at Honolulu. Because he was a, a fantastic beach cuckoo. I mean, you know, some guys uh, love the forests. Other guys uh, love mountains. Other guys love cars. Well, my old man, his idea of, of total heaven was a beach. And as a matter of fact, I suspect there are a lot of people who think of heaven as that way, you know, just a, an endless white beach, nothing but rolling surf, sun beating down. <laughs> oh, he'd flip if he saw me here. Take a look at those surfers over there. Now, there's a sport for you. And, you know, like all great beach cuckoos, my old man was a specialist, you know, in, in uh, water sports. And uh, today, everybody's a specialist. You know, you get guys that are snorkelers, uh, scuba divers, people who go out after coral. Nobody just goes and sits on a beach anymore, you know. Underwater people, guys that are long-distance swimmers. Boy, look at, those, look at those surfers out there. 
Well, my old man was a specialist. As a matter of fact, he was one of the great performers of all time in his specialty. He was ahead of his time. Oh, he was fantastic. He had a specialty that uh, that in his his day and place really had meaning. Yeah. Oh, pineapple's fantastic. My old man specialty was the inner tube. <laughs> he was the greatest inner tube man of his day. And uh, there used to be a lot of arguments, you know, among inner tube men as to what was the best inner tube for long distance work or for uh, short distance freestyle inner tube work. As a matter of fact, my old man was, was a stunt inner tube man. He used to do a lot of stunting in his inner tube. And he always felt that the Allstate Sears Roebuck inner tube was the best all-around inner tube for stunt work. Although he used to admit that the, that the Firestone was a good long-distance inner tube, he was strictly a, a, an Allstate man. And he used to keep his inner tube down in the basement, in a special place, see, when he wasn't, when he wasn't uh, performing. And it was a great inner tube. It was, a, it was a size 660, 660 by 16, you know, big, fat, brown inner tube. And it was covered completely with patches. Must have had 500 patches on it, see? You know, green, yellow, red. That baby was vulcanized so much you could hardly see the original rubber, which was black. And I could still see him now when he was at the height of his powers, when he was really working. The old man lay back in the inner tube, you know. He'd look around. He always wore a straw hat when he was doing his top stunt work. Lay back there. The sun would blow him, you know, the wind, he's moving up and down. And he'd wave into the beach, hi, King! Floating in the sun, and he would sing. One of the very few inner tube men who, while he was working in the inner tube, also played the ukulele and sang. Very good. He used to sing, red sails in the sunset, la da ta da ta and none of us could touch his inner tube. My kid brother, me, that inner tube was his. And you know how kids are, they get proud of their old man. I used to think he could do anything. I wonder how many of you feel that about your old man. You know, he could do anything. He, uh, he was like a god. He could hurl thunderbolts if he wanted to, see? I'll never forget his finest day as an inner tube man. We used to live about a mile from Lake Michigan. And our beach was right in between a soap factory, three steel mills, a foundry, and a place that made cooking oil. That was the beach. And the water would come in, you see, in these slow, undulating waves. And on top of the water was this thick crud of detergent, uh, used cooking oil, floating beer cans, blast furnace dust. In fact, on that beach, walking on water was not much of a miracle. And, you know, you could just walk out maybe 20, 30 feet and never get your feet wet, just walk on the surface. And it was always along the beach, there was always a, an incrustation of dead yellow perch. You know, who finally gave up and says, oh, forget it, and they floated into the shore. And that was the old man's beach. He'd love it. He'd come running down the sand. His inner tube was all blown up, ready for action. 
He'd wade out into that crud, and he would launch his inner tube. He'd just push it out. And you know, there's a, there's a trick in getting into an inner tube. And he would slowly lower himself into the inner tube. Me and my kid brother would watch him. What a great performer. <laughs> they don't make them like that anymore, you know. I mean, real serious performers. And then came that day. I'll never forget that. The day that he reached his finest hour. And at the same time, it was the blackest day of his beach life. We were all sitting around the beach, see, just like this. A nice day. A few dead fish. A couple of dead toads over there. There you can see a beer can out there. And the old man launches his inner tube, just like any other day, see? He gets about 15, maybe 30, 40 feet offshore, floating real good. Sun was shining, and he made a classic mistake that all performers make once in their life. I mean, there's not a surfer out here today who hasn't made a classic one mistake in his life, which he regrets as a surfer. This was the old man's big mistake. Never forget it. It became a family legend, in fact. <laughs> I could see him now. He floated out about 15, 20, 30 feet. My mother, she takes out the picnic basket, you know, breaks out the the potato salad. We had, you know, the usual picnic stuff, potato salad, hot dogs, Twinkies. I was in the middle of my Twinkie stage. The old man's freezer full of beer is sitting over there which kept him going as a performer he needed that and she's fixing up the lunch and all of a sudden she says where's your dad my kid brother says he's out there and he was he had been caught by an undertow and he was floating out to sea well we ran down to the beach you know the kids oh there was a lot of people out there Hey, Dad! Dad! Come back! Hey, Dad! Your brother started to cry. And the whole crowd on the beach, 12,000 of them, rushed down to the water. And they were looking out with fantastic horror because a tremendous current had caught the old man. And now he's about a half mile out to sea. He's floating all the way to Manistee, Michigan. And he doesn't even know it. You can hear his ukulele playing. And he's waving his straw hat. Red sails in the sunset. You can hear him singing. All of a sudden, this lifeguard jumps down from his lifeguard tower. He says, what's that idiot doing out there? He's talking about my dad. And then he takes a boat, and he turns on the motor, and he rushes out all the way out to where the old man was. The old man doesn't even know it yet. He gets about 50 feet from the old man, and he hollers, hey, you fool, what are you doing? He never forgot it. In fact, I think it was at that moment that his life began to go downhill. He stood up in his inner tube. That's the one thing you don't do in an inner tube. There was a brief pause, and then it went clunk. You could see a big column of water. And there's nothing but his straw hat floating with the inner tube. The lifeguard dove in. And a couple of seconds later, he's got him back in the boat. You can see the old man. He looked little at it somehow. And the waves are taking his inner tube out. Five minutes later, he's on the beach, and thousands of people are standing around watching. And that 
lifeguard. He's a big, tall guy, you know, with wavy blonde hair. About 22 years old. He plays tackle for the Chicago Bears. It's on his off-season scene. He looks at the old man and he says, That was the dumbest thing I ever saw anybody do! What are you trying to do, you nut? The young man didn't say nothing. He just sat down and said to my mother, How about some potato salad? He never, never got an inner tube again. It's the end of his career. And even to this day, I can see that inner tube. When I look out to sea, I can see it floating off into the horizon. Endlessly. And I remember the day the old man ended his career. There's nothing better than Mao. 